Welcome to Black Insight, the global news and current affairs podcast about black people by black people. I'm Sonia Fode and I'm joined by two guests. My name is Cindy. I am 21 years old, currently studying in Poland. Um, I'm studying, I'm in second year uh, international relations, majoring in international business. Yeah, I'm originally from Zimbabwe, born and raised. Hi, I am Tapiona Shechiriga, and I am the National Secretary General of the Zimbabwe National Students Union. I also am a fourth year law student at the Midland State University, pursuing a five year Bachelor of Laws honors degree, and I'm 23 years old. This is episode one of Black Insight. We will overcome attempts at destabilization of our society by a few rogue Zimbabweans acting in league with foreign detractors. The bad apples that have attempted to divide our people and to weaken our systems will be flushed out. This is Emerson Monangagwa. It has been just over two years since he became the president of Zimbabwe. The Zimbabwe African National Union Patriotic Front have been in power since 1980. In 2017, there was a coup that took Mugabe out of power, which is when the now president, Menengagwa, took over, solidifying his power by holding an election. The legitimacy of that election is another topic of its own, but since Menengagwa has been accused of involvement in election violence and fraud under Mugabe, it's clear that he isn't incapable of that. A lot of issues happening in Zimbabwe right now are as a result of Mugabe's policies spilling into Menengagwa's presidency. I believe that the problems we have today stem from Robert Mugabe's reign, the corruption, the brutality, the repression, and the general incompetence of the government stem from Robert Mugabe's reign. But again, we cannot certainly exonerate Emerson Mnangago from this for the simple reason that he was there since 1980. He was there during the liberation struggle with Robert Mugabe. He was there when Mugabe was misgoverning Zimbabwe. He was actually Robert Mugabe's right-hand man. And also, he was given free goodwill when he came to power in 2017 by the international community and by the majority of the citizens in 2017 after the coup. But he has since squandered that goodwill. So I think he had an opportunity to start afresh. He had an opportunity to set Zimbabwe on the right path. But he decided to continue on the path to destruction. That has led to the to the serious escalation of the Zimbabwean crisis. I think at the very root of the problem, for many, many years, it's just been plain old incompetence from the Zimbabwean government. Um, the people that you know are voted into power, the people that are given positions of responsibility, the people that are, you know, tasked to do things for the better of the Zimbabwean citizens, just lack the skill, in my opinion, and they're also just very greedy people, you know that. Once they get power, they forget about everything else and it becomes about them. It becomes about funding their own lifestyles, it becomes about funding their children's lifestyles and not really caring about um, 
you know, everyone else in the country. What are the root issues of the protests in Zimbabwe? I believe the chief root cause of the problems we are experiencing in Zimbabwe today is state capture, both at party and personal level. There has been a serious state and party conflation. When I say party, I mean the ruling party in Zimbabwe. It is seriously captured state institutions and also individuals within the political party and also the security establishment have captured state institutions and started using them for political and personal gains and also for to further personal and political goals. That has led to corruption and also human rights abuses with serious impunity. I think if we are today to stop that conflation between the party and the state, our problems would be slowly and gradually solved. Apart from, you know, sheer incompetence, it's the lack of of accountability. So I think this also comes from the fact that as Zimbabweans, generally, we've never really had a platform to hold our leaders accountable for anything. Um, We've never been allowed to speak up against uh, corruption or against any issues that we have. If you do that, as you've seen in recent news, you're getting arrested or you're disappearing or just something is happening to you. I think for many years, people just kind of, I guess, decide to mind their own business and not actually um, get involved. For years, the people of Zimbabwe have dealt with a lack of infrastructure in the country, which is causing major stagnation. But the issue is that Zimbabwe is unable to maintain the infrastructure that they establish. And it's been a lot harder since the country has been immersed in political turmoil for the past 30 years or so. So this has led to neglect of those particular sectors and that is what is leaving Zimbabweans in the position that they're in today. Another major issue is inflation. Right now, Zimbabwe's inflation rate is at almost 840%. We went through inflation um, when we had our trillion dollar notes, you know, and we had the whole thing and people made fun of us and it was just a crazy, a crazy time. We somewhat seem to have recovered for that, but I, I feel like that was just smoke and mirrors and nothing really happened. And not too long ago, we get introduced to a new currency. I even saw a story a few weeks ago about medical staff in Zimbabwe asking to be paid in dollars, which is a more stable currency. Doctors and nurses aren't even being paid. The money that I earned this month, I could not even pay for two rooms. I have got four kids. I need four rooms. I cannot pay my rent. I cannot eat. So the situation is bad and our cause is is justified. When there's massive inflation, savings essentially mean nothing. Any money you have basically means nothing. People are struggling to afford basic commodities. Soap, medicines, gas, oil, sugar, and even cornmeal are really hard to get right now. 
People simply cannot afford them. This is affecting more than 60% of people in Zimbabwe today and probably increasing every single day. There's also mass unemployment, so obviously people are unable to make money. And with that as well, I also think it's just a failure of like failure to allocate resources adequately within within the country. You know, we receive a lot of funds, we receive a lot of loans, grants, whatever it is, from various countries, donors, various organizations to help. Um, because it's the, I mean, all these problems that you stated, you know, the health, the poverty issue, the lack of food, it's even the healthcare situation. It's not things that just we woke up one morning and oh my gosh, we're struggling. It's been over time, you know. Um, I would like to say, for as, for as far as I can remember, I'd say from about two thousand and eight basically is when things really started to just go down. Ever since then, it's just gotten worse and worse and worse. And now we're at a point where more than half of our population is living below the poverty line. We have no healthcare system whatsoever. We have no, I mean, I think as citizens of Zimbabwe, all we're asking for from the government is just to provide the bare minimum, you know? It's clean water, electricity, and functioning economy. But it seems like we're asking for a lot, you know, when we go out into the streets and we're holding our placards and we're speaking up against corruption and whatever it is. We're not asking for, you know, spaghetti roads and tall skyscraper buildings you know what i mean like we're not demanding crazy things all we all we want all that the people want is food people want to be able to go to work and get paid to provide for their family what do you think is attitude at the moment of young people in zimbabwe towards the government we weren't allowed to be very open to speak up about the government or to discuss what's happening in, in politics, you know. But in recent years, because of how gradually things have deteriorated in the country, you find a lot more people, especially the youth, um, speaking up a lot more. I mean, even if you compare numbers from maybe elections that were held in like 2013 or 2008, the youth never really got involved or even voted as much. But in the most recent elections in 2018, you found that a lot more younger people, when I say young, I mean obviously 18 to maybe like 30 uh, youth were getting more involved and actually voted more. I will still say a lot of a lot of um, young people are kind of not wanting to get involved. So it's more like, okay, well, I'm not really affected by this, so I'm just going to do what I'm going to do on the side, leave to go to uni in the UK and then just not come back home and not really be involved in politics. And you also have those who don't really get the chance to leave Zim. So they are experiencing a lot of what's happening a lot more and you find that they become a lot more vocal about about what's happening. Young people have started to redefine, defend and seeking to secure their future. 
This is because for a very long time, many people have been exercising serious apathy in as far as issues of governance, politics, social and economic issues affecting them in their future. They have been exercising serious apathy towards those things, probably just because of the toxicity of the political environment. I would say majority of the youth, both in Zimbabwe and both in the diaspora, share the same sentiments in the sense that we all want change. We all want better for ourselves and just for the next generation to come. And I think a lot of us now are really understanding that we are the future, you know, um, future politicians, future businessmen, future investors, future everything. So at some point we will have to step up and speak out. Even those who used to be mere political tools in the hands of senior politicians have started to see that these people will not be there in the next 50 years. It is us who will be there. It is us who inherit a broken country. It is us who are suffering today. It is us who are unemployed. It is us who are going to school without necessarily the bright prospects of securing employment or better opportunities after education. So, young people, I'm very glad that we are rapidly rising to the occasion to make sure that we take our country back from those who are holding it for political gains. Nurses and doctors are striking and they are struggling with a lack of PPE amid the coronavirus pandemic. Here's a nurse talking about what's happening in hospitals right now in Zimbabwe. They're just dying. There is no urgency, there's no priority, and nobody is listening to us. Mm -hmm. I've written a million lists, I've knocked on a thousand doors. I come to work and I do my very best, but my output are stillbirths, my output are disabled babies. Elective lists are not being done. We wait for it to become an emergency. When it becomes an emergency, I'm given a baby who has hypoxic brain injury. This child now has permanent disability. This is not acceptable. Then we need to put a pedal on the accelerator, start them on chemotherapy. Then two weeks later, the syringes are finished. What do we do? Interrupt treatment? Then we restart and it doesn't work? What have we done for them? There is no urgency. I'm here because I'm desperate. I have tried, we have tried, but I feel that we're not getting heard. We need to move. I'm so sorry, but this is really heartbreaking for me. This is literally life and death. I have friends whose parents or whose family members are dying just because there was not enough doctors at the hospital, just because there wasn't a ventilator at the hospital, because there wasn't enough uh, maybe equipment to treat that person. Obviously, combined with the fact that we are literally in the middle of a pandemic, of course, tensions are made a lot worse and people are rightfully angry. The coming in of the coronavirus pandemic and the subsequent lockdown caused by the same is seriously affected many of us, especially young people in Zimbabwe, because most of us are employed in the informal sector, self-employed, that is to say. So in light of the lockdown measures that were promulgated by the government, 
one would be left probably with nothing to eat one would be left with nothing with no source of income whatsoever and when the government is always promising to cushion citizens but never delivering on the same promise citizens are left hung to dry Zimbabwe's government also imposed nighttime curfews to tackle coronavirus but actually the opposition movement for democratic change believed that this was just an action against the protests that they knew were coming. The regime in Harare, like all other autocratic regimes, are using the cover of COVID-19 in the lockdown to crack down on activists. So you see it's easy for them to come to pounds on an activist when they are home, when they know that they are staying at home because of the coronavirus pandemic, it's easier for them to target them. So we have seen serious tactics harassment against students, against youth activists, against politicians, against even anyone who dared to say anything against the rulership of Mnangagwa. So the COVID-19 pandemic has ended up being a political tool used in Zimbabwe to suppress, oppress and repress on all voices of dissent. What do you think about the current opposition in Zimbabwe? I won't say they're just as bad as NPF, but I do think they have their own problems. And I don't think they would be a good enough re- replacement for... Because I think our main problem that we're battling with right now is that the people that are in power are, first of all, old. <laughs> It's the older generation, like you said, you know, our uncles and our whatever, our grandfathers, basically, are the people that are leading us right now. People that um, fought in the liberation war for Zimbabwe, that is Chimurenga. Um, and I just think it's the same. We, I think it's the same if we, you know, the opposition as well, because it's people that they were all together and then just, you know, conflicts happened and they just went separate ways. So I really feel like even the mindsets or the ideologies are based on the same foundation. Um, it's just the same devil in a different dress, in my opinion. The government also made sure more police and military were around, saying it was for the sake of the pandemic and lockdown. But of course, we know differently. As usual, it is a case of politicians using moments of crisis for political gain. The president is using these soldiers who are supposed to serve the people in the country to silence protesters through uncalled for violence. Here's a soldier trying to encourage others to stand with him in the name of the constitution. I come to you in the name of the constitution and in the hashtag Zimbabwean Lives Matter. My address is specifically for those officers in the name of the ZNA. It is about time we stop hiding under the guise of following order. We have a duty not to follow these unconstitutional orders. It is our duty. Let the people demonstrate peacefully. The, the past couple of weeks have given a lot of Zimbabweans a lot more confidence um courage you know i mean people are scared people are really scared to speak up but we're at a point where we cannot keep quiet any further
the justice minister said, our security forces are on high alert to ensure that any terrorist activity will be dealt with accordingly. Anyone who goes into the streets against that advice is equivalent to a terrorist. Freedom of expression and freedom of speech as provided for by the Constitution of Zimbabwe. This thing that, you know, the president addressed us, uh, I think, the day before yesterday. We had thought uh, he was going to address, uh, you know, the challenges of giving us, uh, you know, the way forward in, in terms of addressing the challenges that currently bedevil the country. But how can a world president stand in the podium and threaten the people of Zimbabwe and tell us that he's going to wipe out everyone? How does the president declare citizens families of the state? Oh, oh, oh. We are sick and tired of Zanupiev. Oh. We are saying Zanupiev must go. Yes, we are done with Zanupiev. We are done with Zanupiev. This was around mid-July. Fast forward to the end of July. And by the way, this is still going on into August. The city is in terror. Police officers charge against a group of protesters, hitting them with buttons. Journalists also discuss their experiences. During this time in Zimbabwe, there has been a lot of pressure on the press to be reporting everything that is happening and to ensure that people around the world know of the atrocities in Zimbabwe. I was putting all the gear that is required to replace pieces. So they attacked me and it appears though they don't want the media. The government controls the media, you know. Um, they will put out headlines or they will have press conferences that want to paint this perfect picture that, oh, no, like, you know, things in Zim are okay, everything is fine, uh, peaceful, we're all at peace, whatever the case may be. Meanwhile, on social media, we have, you know, obviously I will admit that the social media part, like the, the youth or the people in Zim that are on social media are a small percentage of the entire country. But I don't think we can take away from that sentiment that we who have a chance to speak up on our platforms are speaking up for those who don't or who, who cannot. The violence that happens against journalists proves that Freedom of speech is something that does not exist in Zimbabwe. Students as well. As well as arresting journalists, the attention of the government was on its opposition. On the 21st of August, Job Sakala was arrested. He's the vice chairman of the Movement for Democratic Change. Before being arrested, he had actually gone into hiding and he wasn't the only one. Sakala was charged with inciting public violence, according to his party and Zimbabwe Lawyers for Human Rights. Anybody that speaks up against the regime is an enemy of state and, in the words of the Justice Minister, is a terrorist. The National Students' Union is the biggest and oldest students' union in Zimbabwe with a history of fighting for social justice in Zimbabwe. 
and it has a vision of a better democratic and inclusive Zimbabwe where Sweden's concerns are addressed and academic freedoms appealed. So essentially our work is mainly centered around academic freedom and a democratic Zimbabwe, the vision of a democratic and inclusive Zimbabwe. So our work does, is not exactly limited to students' issues, but it also recognizes that students are citizens first before they are students. Before they come to school, we are citizens. So we are also involved in citizens' action against corruption, citizens' action in demand for health care, citizens' action in demand for even a better economy, because we believe that students are the barometer of class consciousness in Zimbabwe and in any society. So yes, our interests are more inclined to the interests of the students and to the welfare of the students, but we also do not limit ourselves to the campus. We also make sure that we represent students and other young people in all spheres of their lives. Zinasu has been organizing protests. We have been protesting on the street. We have been giving action statements to the media. We've been giving action statements. Even in the street, we've been addressing citizens, trying to conscientize them of their rights to demanding a better Zimbabwe that is inclusive, that is better for everyone. So, yes, we have not only been involved in organizing, but even having protests of our own, even within campuses. We have gone and even led many protests why do we do that it is because we believe that we are having a class struggle in zimbabwe so we identify ourselves as part of the poor part of the oppressed part of the downtrodden in zimbabwe so any citizen action or voice that seeks to amplify our plight as zimbabweans as oppressed zimbabweans we will happily take part in it so we have been very much involved the police brutality in zimbabwe is absolutely devastating these officials have had absolutely no mercy on anyone. And so we so so now we voted we voted Nagagwa into power and we just saw the same thing repeating itself from the Mugabe era. And it's unfortunate that things just got worse and worse and worse. You know, you know, you, you know, you're doing bad when people are actually saying like, "Hey, if we had got, if we could go back to like the Mugabe times, maybe things would be better." I mean, I don't support, I don't support that because I feel like, wh- why should we be looking like, you know, looking back and wanting to go back? Why not just actually build something and find someone who's more competent or who is more for the people? to actually lead us. The future of this country looks very bleak if you are to continue on the path that we are being led onto by Emerson Nangagwa. But I'm happy that young people have found their voice. Young people have managed to unite under the Zimbabwean Lives Matter movement. Also, we've managed to unite even beyond political colors and political affiliations, political, petty political polarization has since been become has since become a thing of the past we are fast moving towards the convergence of young people where we say enough is enough we are done with these old madalas and old politicians what you want now is a better zimbabwe so i think in light of what has been happening in zimbabwe so far the future looks very bright because young people are becoming socially conscious and politically conscious each day but if we are to continue on the path that we are being led by Amazon Nankawa, then the future is very bleak for young people. There is no hope. The main goal 
is just to put ZANU-PF out of power. Hashtag Zimbabwean Lives Matter is no longer trending, but that doesn't mean that the struggle is over. Support people that are on the ground in Zimbabwe doing the hard work to support the people of the country. 